Welcome back to the Non-Standard 14er podcast, the podcast that talks about everything the root description leaves out about hiking and climbing Colorado's 14ers. We're back with episode two with Will E. to talk about advice about winter 14ering. Welcome back to the podcast, Will E. Hey, happy to be here. We always ask, um, normally ask like what you're, what we call it a watershed moment, like what peak did you do where you, then you knew you got you had confidence enough to finish the 14ers? Did you have like a winter watershed moment where you got this peak or did this couloir and you knew you could finish the rest of the winter? Yeah, probably, probably the Crestones. Um, and, and to this day, I still think the Crestones was, was one of my toughest, toughest days. Um, so at the end of, at the end of, uh, my second winter, I did both Crestones, um, from South colony. Um, same thing. I did a long, long day trip. It was like, and that's next seven. to, I mean, the winter is what three, three or four miles below the summer. Where you yeah. Can walk, right? Yeah. Yeah, I showed I showed twenty I showed twenty five miles and like ninety five hundred feet of gain. And uh, same thing, I started like ten ten thirty in the night and just went all the way through the night. And when the sun started coming up uh, about halfway up Red Gully. Did Red yep. Gully first? Yeah, I did Crestone Peak first, um, and then uh, I didn't do the Traverse. Um, I went back to Borkenhand Pass and then went up the Needle the standard, well, not the standard route, but from broken hand pass up the, the East gully, but that the gully, you don't have to cross over as soon. No, um, I didn't cross over to that third. So the, the West gully is, is supposedly easier. I've only done it once and I don't even remember it, but doing the crossover is tough in winter because of the way snow gathers there. Um, and honestly that, that East gully is such good climbing. It's, you know, you got handholds everywhere. It's steep. Um, it's rated class four, but it, it just, it's such a fun climb and there's nothing loose about it. It's really, uh, really solid. And so then you went back another trip and did what rainbow to get Humboldt? Uh, Humboldt I actually did the, I actually did the following year. Yeah. I didn't do all three in, uh, in one day, but, uh, yeah, I did Humboldt the following year. It's a East Ridge from rainbow. It's the rainbow something trail. Rainbow. Yep. Yeah, that's the way pretty much everybody does Humboldt in winter. Um, doing that East Ridge cuts out most of the avalanche danger. Yeah, I failed failed on that one twice <laughs> in the winter. It's it's a tough one. That's that was one of my that was uh, I'm trying to think was that my first that, that was one of, that was one of my few turnbacks. Uh, my first attempt on Humboldt was in winter of. Uh, winter 2019, um, you know, that heavy, heavy snow year. And it wasn't the snow. I got to, I got to about 500 feet bef- below, um, summit and you know, those, those humble winds, I, I just couldn't keep going with the wind. Yeah. We were turned around same thing. Yeah. And then we stashed our snowshoes and we didn't, couldn't find out where we stashed our snowshoes. <laughs> we not find our trench. And so we were you know, trying to cut, it, cut across to find our trench and never did. You know, I got lost coming down Humboldt also. Uh, this is the this is the strangest thing. I got lost coming down Humboldt um, because I got something stuck in the doggone charge port of my phone. My phone died, but I couldn't charge it because there was some little piece of debris or wood chip or something. I didn't have tweezers or anything. I could not get it out of my stinking phone so I could get navigation. So I ended up going way down... Um, I basically went down one, you don't go down a gully on Humboldt, but you go down, uh, oh, I don't know. I went one ridge over from where I should have gone. 
And uh, I ended up hitting the rainbow trail again, just in a different place. Uh, but oh my gosh, it was it was like a it was like a 15 hour day, and I didn't even summit. It was horrible. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. That's oh man, that was the. I worst. think Humboldt. It's just really like very condition dependent. We went up there this winter, my wife and I, and you know it's still a pretty long day. It's yeah. got 5,500 vert or something. Yeah, from that. Um, but we had a pretty easy time of it. There was a really good trench. We knew that it had been trenched out. Yeah a week or so before, but there a week or two before, but there'd been a storm. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go really. Yeah. And someone had done it. We did it the uh, Martin Luther King holiday, the Monday, someone had obviously been up there Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. It was like very refreshed and there were a few parts going up, but it was steep and it to put that trench steep. in would have been, it is real work. Steep. So I found in winter and, you know, I certainly don't do the peaks and the level that you do. It's all kind of sloggy stuff. Yeah. But a lot of times when you get to tree line, you're just happy you made it to tree line. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, I'm going to be able to summit this. Yes, I can take my snowshoes off. <laughs> so long as I can put up with the wind, I'm going yeah. to summit. I'm telling you, I that yeah. Humboldt wind, Humboldt is like Calibra. I, I don't think the wind ever stops up there. I, I've heard that about Sherman and the Calibron too, so... I've, yeah, I've, I've only done Decalibron twice, once in summer and once in winter. I hated it so much in summer. I waited for a crappy conditions day to do it in winter because I figure if I'm <laughs> if I'm going to if I'm going to be on a sucky group of mountains that I don't like, I'm going to do them in crappy conditions and save good conditions for, you know, a nice <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Decalibron was one of my coldest windiest days in winter. It was nasty. How'd you do uh, Yale? Did you do that? What's that? East Ridge or that yeah, runs from the, Avalanche Gulch? No, I did the standard. Well, in winter, I did the standard route. Um, I've done Denny's the, Creek. The yeah, from, uh, Denny's Denny Creek. Yeah, I've done the I've done the West or the East Ridge uh, in summertime, but uh, I think I've been up in I think I've been up Yale three or four times, but winter was from Denny Creek. There's usually a, there's usually a pretty good trench most of the way. Uh, there was when I went in winter. Uh, a lot of people do Yale in winter because you know the road the roads plowed all the way and That's right. for for winter it's rel- it's one of the easier ones to do in winter. Nothing easy about it, but easier than most. Well, how about longs? What's the winter out on longs? Is that is that the backside so, of Kaplinger yeah. Kowar? Um, I think most people do. I went, I went from Glacier Gorge. Um, so you go from Glacier Gorge to Mill Lake, Mills Lake, then to Black, uh, Black Lake. And then you kind of circle around and basically you, you end up at the bottom of the trough. So you basically, you've got like 2000 feet of, of trough to climb, um, straight up. But from there, you pretty much join the, the standard route over the narrows and then up the, the home stretch. I think some people, I think some people do it from um, the other side and go up the loft, um, but I've not, I've not done that route. I've seen uh, reports of people doing the North face too. Oh yeah. Yeah. So is that basically like, uh, like starting from the home, from lower than the home stretch and just all the way up the home stretch? Look low. You basically go to uh, the Boulder field and then go up the North face at like low oh, fifth class. Oh, okay. Oh, you're talking about the cables route. 
Yeah, the, the old cables. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I didn't even... Pretty direct. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Um, I say, I think I think most people do it from Glacier Gorge, but yeah, the cables route wouldn't be bad because it, you know, it's pretty windblown above the boulder field, so it's probably not a not a ton of added danger from uh, from winter. Hmm, I'm trying to think what else. What about Capital? That one's that one's still yet that one's still yet to be done. Yeah, North Maroon Capital, right? Yeah, North Maroon and Capital is is what's left. I was actually looking at Capital. Um, I was actually planning on Capital for the the last day of winter, the the day I ended up doing South Maroon. I was looking at Capital and I was set on it. And a couple of days before, I was going through winter Capital trip reports, and the thing I started thinking about uh, as I was looking at other people that did capital is capital can be done pretty much any month of winter. Uh, it's not quite as, it doesn't have as much avalanche danger as the bells do. So I thought, well, if I can only get, you know, either the bells or capital, it makes more sense to go for the bells because I probably won't get another shot at them until the end of winter. Whereas capital, you know, in theory, it can be done in, you know, lots of people do it in January, February. Um, whereas the bells, um, you need that well-consolidated snow, um, to get up the Kular. So it made more sense to, to give that a shot, even though, even though I wasn't, I really didn't think I was going to get South Maroon. I really didn't. So with capital, are you, have you been thinking about <clears throat> Ridge Direct? Yeah, I did the Ridge Direct uh, a couple of summers ago, just to, just to get a feel for it. Um, and you know, of course, summer versus winter is totally different, but I think Ridge direct is pretty much the only way you can get capital in winter. Um, I've not seen anybody post post that they've done it a different way. Yeah. I can't really remember. Um, would you do Ridge direct probably all the way from the, like you could go from the daily saddle on the Ridge all the way to K2 Yeah, and then. Yeah, have, to have to rig that down climb and then go back on the ridge. Yeah, I was gonna say most people most people repel off of K two uh, oh. down to just 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 uh, just next to the knife edge. Um, I've talked to us. I've talked to a few people that have done it without ropes. Um, I wouldn't go up there without a rope, but if I got up there and you know it it felt. I mean, it, it all depends on how the snow is and where the snow is. I mean, climbing down, climbing K2 is not that big a deal without snow, but you know, if snow's in the right places, you know, I wouldn't go up there without a rope, but some people have done it without. Have you used rope on other winter routes? Haven't yet. Haven't yet. So when I went up, um, when I went up South Maroon, um, I had intended to try and, you know, I figured if I got up to, if I got up the Kular, I wanted to try and get, um, across to North Maroon also, um, which I actually attempted. So I uh, got South Maroon, went back to the, the Bell Cord Coulard, um, strapped my snowshoes back on my pack. Um, I had a 30 meter rope with me. Um, I started, I went across the, the Bell's Traverse and I got to the third tower. Uh, have you done the Bell's Traverse? No. So there's, there's three steep towers that you have to climb. The first two, I mean, none of them are easy 
but the first two are much harder than the third one. The third one I think is, is rated 5.6. My biggest fear was that if I got to that point and I got up the first two towers, but I couldn't get up the third, I would need a way to get back to the bell cord couloir. So that was why I took a rope. I I figured I would um, possibly need to rappel back down those first two towers. Uh, Got to the third tower. I spent probably 90 minutes. I went up in three or four different places. Um, I just could not get, I found the right, the right place to go up where I needed to be. I just could not find a handhold to get myself the last little bit of that third tower. Um, so I ended up retreating, uh, but I ended up not using my rope. Um, the, the first two towers, uh, I ended up down climbing them. They've got a little bit of run out to where, you know, if you slipped and fell in the snow, you probably wouldn't tumble to your death. Um, but I ended up getting them down, getting down them. Okay. Um, without the rope. And then, um, basically I went back down the, the couloir. So do you have to redo the pencil, oh, sorry, the bell cord to do North Maroon, or can you do it a different way? There's actually two other ways. Uh, most people that have, most people that have completed uh, all the, the entire winter list didn't do the traverse. Um, most people, uh, at least the, the most recent finishers, most of them did uh, North Maroon from a couloir on the backside. Um, so basically you start at, uh, you start at the Snowmass Creek trailhead and it ends up, being like a, a 25 or 30 mile round trip, I think. Um, but it allows you to, to climb up, uh, I think it's called Gunsight Coular, um, but it's, it's south facing. So it's doable with, with, you don't need, it's not as conditions dependent as the, the north side, um, but there is a Coular you can get up on the north side of uh, the Bells, basically starting from Maroon Lake. Um, you basically, you, you start out following the, the North Maroon standard route yeah. But before you head south over to the uh, where the gullies are, uh, you basically climb straight up. And there's another couloir there called Trigger Finger um, that you can get up. It's north facing, so it's it's harder to get until you get, uh, you know, further into like March. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully we get good snow conditions next year. Is that sort of between North Maroon and Sleeping Sexton, roughly? Yep. Okay, yep. I'm, I'm looking at a topo map right now. I was trying to pull it up, trying to visualize that. Yeah, you won't you won't find Trigger Finger Coular listed anywhere. Right. Um, but it's a it's a real short Coular that uh, if you follow North Maroon's ridge um, west, Trigger yeah. Finger starts right before this little tower that you see. Mm-hmm. I sort of had it plotted out. I, I've never yeah, I seen I see it. it. I've never seen it or done it, but I sort of have it plotted out just from looking at a topo. Yeah, but that was that was the plan was to go across the bells, across the traverse, uh, get North Maroon, and then descend North Maroon's West Ridge down to that that short couloir. The thing that the thing that makes that hard is then you got to carry all your gear with you. And man, you know, I had you know rope, rappel gear, snowshoes, axe, you know, plenty of water, plenty of food. Um, that, that was part of the challenge of getting up that third tower was just so much weight. And my arms were pretty sore from getting up the couloir and I just, just didn't quite have it in me. Yeah. Like I say, I think the, I think the main advantage of doing gunsight couloir versus trigger finger is that it's South facing. So 
you know, you're, you're more likely to have stable snow conditions earlier in winter. The downside is it's a lot longer um, and you're basically going to be breaking trail all the way from snowmass trailhead to there. Whereas if you start, you know, at Maroon Lake, it's, you know, six miles of relatively easy road walking. And is it plowed? Do they run the shuttle up there during the winter? They don't run the shuttle, but uh, they, they're one of the, uh, one of the uh, lazy T lazy seven ranch. They do, uh, they do sightseeing. So they take people up in snowmobiles or, uh, or on those, those big, uh, uh, what are those called? The, the big tractors with you know, snow caps, snow caps, snow caps. Also, is, that, is that what you did? You paid the word to snow cap? No, no, no. I walked it. <laughs> <laughs> that adds how many extra miles just even, like even just getting to the summer trailhead at most of these is a big day for a lot of hikers. You know, a well-packed road. So I got up from, it's about six miles each way. I got up it in two hours and seven minutes. Um, you know, 20 minute, 20 minute miles are not hard on well-packed roads. Yeah, we were, like I said, no speed records here, but we were by St. Elmo 13 ring on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, we did like a couple, like several, like 22 minute miles going yeah. faintly uphill. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I was up. Uh, I was up on Fitzpatrick uh, three three weeks ago. Okay, we we did a uh, Hancock Peak. Okay, okay. On a uh, on Saturday, so like I'm just starting to think all the summer trailheads compared to winter trailheads. Like, I mean, South Colony's got to be four or five extra miles. Uh, what's Lindsay? Isn't Lindsay's really long? Mount Lindsay is really it's conditions dependent. So I did Lindsay in. Uh, February of 2020. And, uh, I was able to get to about four miles below the, the summer trailhead. Uh, but the Sangres had a light winter that year. Um, most years you can't get that far. Um, so I, I, I had an easier Lindsay when I did Lindsay, it was a, it was an 18 mile day. Most winters Lindsay is, is tougher than that. Your, your distance is greater and the snow is, is heavier. It was, the Sangres had a light year that year, so it wasn't too bad. What's the, I guess what other ones are really long? Winter trailheads uh, just even get. Yeah, San Luis was one of my longest Ooh. days. San Luis uh, did San Luis at the end of 2019, which you know was heavy snow year. Is that uh, from Stewart Creek? Is that what's this? How do you? No, just- you go in. You go from the Creed side because um, the. The road is plowed up to about when I went, I, I had about an extra five miles um, to get to the, the trailhead for San Luis, but I think it's normally groomed. Uh, but that year, I don't know if I just picked a bad weekend. Uh, I was in, I was breaking trail from, from the start. Um, but I think it was because it was that, that heavy March. It was that big, that big snow year in 2019. So that one's really long. Pyramid, same thing. You've got to you've got to walk the whole way up to the uh, up to Crater Lake. Um, that's got a lot of extra distance. Uh, what other ones were really long? Snow Snowmass Snowmass is a long one because you're you're starting in marble um, for Snowmass. So that was oh, because you do did you do the uh, from Geneva Lake? 
Yeah, I did Geneva Lake. I went up the uh, went up the North Ridge. Um, so I think I think that ended up being 26 mile day. Um, El Diente. I didn't. Most people that have done El Diente in winter did the traverse from Wilson. Um, I did it separately. Um, so you basically start right at Highway 145. Um, and I just walked the road. That was about an extra five miles each way. So that was, that was about 27 miles round trip. So it's big days. I don't know the, the, the road walks, they just don't phase me much. Um, like I say the hardest one endurance wise was Holy cross just because the snow was so deep and thick and you know, road walking that just doesn't, doesn't phase me much. I mean, it takes time, but it doesn't really, um, doesn't wear me out much. You just like the solitude. Do you listen to music or podcasts or? Yeah. Mostly your thoughts? Mostly, mostly music. Um, I, I like being alone up there. I like, I like not having to be, I like, nobody can call me. <laughs> nobody can, <laughs> nobody can uh, call me or send me an email or, um, you know, I, I can do things kind of on my own terms you know, um, to a, to a degree, I guess that's kind of selfish, but I don't know, like, you know, when I was in Chicago basin and I couldn't sleep, so I just got up and, you know, started my day. Well, if you have a partner, that's a little bit rude. You know, you would, you would have a, you would have a, you would have a, a time that you decided on before you went to bed. Okay. This is when we're going to start, you know, um, I don't know. I, I, I like being, in charge and not, not beholden to anything or anybody. I, I don't know. Uh, personally, I've probably done over 90% of all peaks with people. Yeah. Um, but there've definitely been several solos and a few were not easy peaks. Um, I did little bear solo, yeah. um, maroon solo. And there is something to be said for it. I do like kind of, you know, you're responsible for yourself. You can completely go your own pace. Yeah. You, if you're having a slow day, then you're having a slow day. <laughs> if you're having a fast day, you don't, you know, there's you're no, you're not else. ruining anybody else's. You, you know, you're not impacting anyone else's day, nor are they impacting yours. Yeah. Um, look, I didn't find, you know, maroon to be particularly difficult in the summer. And that's just, I think I had a good day. You know, it, it's good. You don't have to worry about, hey, am I accidentally going to kick a rock on somebody or am I going to get someone else in trouble? Is You're just there and it's yourself. And, uh, you know, I like to get out at least once a year solo for yeah. something, whether it's something more interesting or just a, a nice long slog. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm the exact opposite. I've done only a handful of peaks with other people. And, uh, I don't know, it's hard to, it, it's hard to find people that you can match pace with. And, um, part of it is just, I, I like being alone and quiet on a mountain. Well, you are faster than like 95% of people too. <laughs> I mean, there's always those people who are no matter how fast you are, there's someone faster than you. There's several people faster than me. And I know I, I've read some times and I, I know there are people faster than you, but I've I seen your times from these big trips and I'm like, boy, I would be quite a bit slower than that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, when I see when I see the things the 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 two people that impress me most speed wise, when I see what Andrew Hamilton and John Balzi are, I mean they mm -hmm. are both they are both older than me, and yeah. Balsiar is a lot older than me, and it's like I don't know how they do that. I, I don't know how they do what they do. Um, if I can if I can still do half of what I'm doing now, when I'm you know. Balciar's age, I'll be, I'll consider life success. <laughs> he, uh, the interesting thing with him and Winter mm -hmm. is I know from, you know, people who've partnered with him, yeah. you know, who keep a, a, a moderate, a nice moderate pace. Yeah. It's basically, he just trenched the whole way. They're like, <laughs> I couldn't, they're like, he just trenched the whole thing because, you know, that's he was, uh... he was just that far. That's what that's what McQueen told me. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what he told me too. Yeah, yeah, they were up uh, they were up on Pyramid the same day as me, and this was so crazy. Um, so I went up Pyramid twice in December. You know, the first time basically to to take a dry run at at winter camping, and then the conditions were so good that uh, I decided I'd do it again on the first day of winter to get my uh, to get my Pyramid winter. And uh, when I left. So the first time I camped, the second time I, I decided to do it as a day trip, I knew I could walk that road in two hours. So I just started like, you know, 5 a.m. And when I started up the road, I saw a sled track and I thought, I only know one person that drags a sled up these winter peaks. And I know there's probably more, but I know one that's pretty well known for it. So I saw that and I thought, man, what are the chances? What if, what if Brad's up here with his crew and I'll have a trench all the way up to pyramid and I, and I won't have to break trail. Well, he, him and John Balciar had gone up there the day before and camped the night before. Um, but they didn't go the same route that I did. I went up the standard route, uh, which is not typically done in winter, but this winter started out really light snow wise. So I thought it would still be doable. Whereas most winters it's not. When I got up to the summit of pyramid, I saw foot tracks up on the peak. And what was, what, this is going to sound so, so dumb. I thought they were my tracks from the two weeks prior. I got up there and I thought, this doesn't make any sense. Why are my tracks still up here at the peak? But none of my tracks, you know, <laughs> the route were still there, but I really thought that I really thought I was all alone up there. And then, uh, the next morning, uh, Brad McQueen, uh, was messaging me on the phone. He was like, Hey, did you see us on the Ridge? And I was like, what are you talking about? Where were you? And, uh, I had no idea. I, I thought I had the whole mountain to myself. Um, until he had said anything, he was like, yeah, we got up to the, the Ridge and we saw you and we were on summit about an hour before you. And I thought I had been all alone up there. And apparently they had, they had, beat, they had beat me to the summit by like an hour. It was funny. But did they camp? They dragged their sled and camped in a day. Yeah, yeah. They had gone up the day before okay. and camped um, somewhere near Crater Lake and then uh, went up the uh, the West Face, which uh, I don't even know that route. I'm not familiar with that, that route. That was half the reason I wanted to do Pyramid uh, Pyramid early in winter when uh, before all those before all the snow came was because I was familiar with it. What about uh, Calebra? You have to get you have to get professional permission 
Yeah, well, Calibra is no different in winter than it is in summer. You've still got to pay for it. Um, so they they charge the same 150 bucks that um, that they charge in summer. Uh, the hard thing about it is you can't drive. Uh, you basically you start at ranch headquarters, um, which is I think 8,500 feet elevation. So it it ends up being like a, a 50, it's like 5,500 6,000 feet of uh, gain, and it's like. 15 or 16 miles round trip. Um, the tricky thing is you're limited on time. You know, you can't start as early as you want. You can only start at 6 a.m. when they open the gate. So uh, it wasn't that bad though. They uh, they run snowmobiles up the road to the um, to the summer trailhead. So you can make pretty good time up to there. Um, but uh, from there you're you're breaking trail and Calibra is like Humboldt. It is always windy up there. So uh, it wasn't too bad. I think, I think it was a, I think it was a, I think I finished around four thirty. I, th- I think it was around a 10 hour day for me. Um, but I got, I got red also. Were you only, were the only one on the mountain there or were there other people? No, they actually, they actually don't allow um, if they don't have more than one. So they only, you know, they only do uh, they only let you go up on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, they don't let anybody go up solo. If there's not more than one person signed up, they just don't let you go. Oh. Uh, so there, there were probably, uh, there were probably eight or 10 of us, um, the day I went. So I find it's an interesting separating mechanism because anyone doing that peak is going to finish the 14 years. So I'm sure the same way anyone doing it in winter is nuts. And someone you want to talk to anyway about their yeah. winter experiences. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's like, well, if you want to get it in summer and winter, you're you're suddenly out three hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, it should give you like a two for at least. Yeah, yeah. Buy one, get one half off the the summer winter price. Yeah, I'm just glad there's access. I mean, those guys they are so nice up there. Carlos is Carlos. Carlos, yeah. I mean, they don't they don't have to do that. I mean, they could they could shut the mountain down. It's not like they're making a ton of money off of it uh, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Cause even in summer, they only, they only allow a certain number of people to do it. I, mean, I know last summer there were people that wanted to climb Calibra, but couldn't because they had, they had filled up all their slots on all the yeah. weekends. So uh, uh, they're, they're nice people. They're nice people. The first time I did Calibra in summer, um, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't read through all the paperwork and stuff. I didn't know you had to be there at a certain time. So I had stayed in, um, I had stayed in, uh, uh, what's that town? Uh, Walsenburg. I'd stayed in Walsenburg. I knew the route wasn't super long. So I thought, well, I'll get there around seven thirty, eight o'clock. No big deal. <laughs> I got there at seven thirty, eight o'clock and the gate is locked yeah. and closed. I had paid my due. I'd paid the the money and everything, but I, I just didn't read about the, the part about needing to be there right at 6 a.m. So I jumped the gate and I walked to the, uh, I walked to the ranch house, which is like, you know, two miles. And I just, I begged those guys to let me still go up the mountain. And uh, not only did they let me go up the mountain, but one of them actually uh, took me up in, uh, in, uh, in one of their uh, ATVs up to the four-way stop. Nice. So yeah, I, I got really lucky. I, I thought I was going to be out 150 bucks and not be able to get that peak that summer. Yeah. 150 bucks for a trip to Walsenburg. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those guys are really nice. What about the, yes, the Lake City 14ers there? Is there? Yeah. So can you get uh, the right cloud? I mean, up that road, it's got to be 
can't be plowed in winter, is it? Yeah. So, uh, Wetterhorn, Wetterhorn's a 20 mile day in winter because the, the road is gated, uh, just past the Nelly Creek turnoff. Um, so you've got five or six mile road walk to get to the Wetterhorn trailhead. Um, but it's well packed, uh, or it was the when it was when I went, uh, it was easy road walk. Um, I think I put on snowshoes, um, after turning off at Capital City. Uncompagre is probably 16 miles round trip. Uh, you're basically starting right at the bottom of Nelly Creek, which, uh, you know, a lot of people start there for the summer anyway. Uh, Sunshine and, Sunshine and Red Cloud, uh, are not far distance wise. You start at the Mill Creek campground and you go up the east ridge and uh it's not far distance wise it's only 10 or 11 miles round trip uh but you're starting at like 9300 so it's really steep uh that's right because creek is yeah i got you yeah so i mean it's really steep like your your first two miles you gain like two thousand feet it's crazy steep and then handies um handies you take a most people do handies a different uh route than summer you go um Basically, you start at Cataract Gulch and you walk the road towards uh, towards Handy's about two two or three miles, and then you follow this creek. Um, I can't remember what the name of it is, but you follow this creek up and basically drops you right at Handy's South Ridge, and you follow that all the way to Summit. What would you tell people trying to get in their first winter fourteener? What's your advice? You know, um, the way I, the way I did, the way I started winter 14ers was the same way I started summer 14ers. I did a bunch of easy ones first. When I, when I started this in summer of 2018, I was terrified of my first class three. I mean, I had probably 25 peaks in before I did my first class three. Um, same thing with winter, my first winter, um, I wasn't even sure I was going to get into this. Um, I just wanted to keep, I just wanted to keep getting to the tops of mountains as long as I could. And, um, that first winter, I didn't do anything, anything greater than class one or two. Um, then the second winter I started getting, uh, getting into some things where you need crampons and an ax. Um, I just, just slow progression. I got to the point where I, I just wasn't afraid of it anymore. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think I probably should be more afraid because the, the one thing in winter is there are things outside of your control. Um, you know, no matter how well you prepare, the avalanche scale starts at low. It doesn't start at zero. <laughs> avalanches, avalanches can happen even when conditions are, you know, as good as uh, as good as it gets. So, you know, you, you've got to acknowledge that there's some risk outside of your control and be willing to accept it. Um, but beyond that, just slowly progress up. And, you know, the, the endurance is a lot bigger thing. Um, you know, any of the 14ers in summer, you know, you can do as a day trip without too much hassle, you know, outside of Chicago basin, but, um, in winter, you know, about half of them are just, you've got to have a level of endurance. That's just, you know, sort of crazy at some level. What about gear? Like I know when I started my 14 or, you know, poor grad students, so I was skimping on gear, you know, <laughs> you know, my, there. my first, my first winter, I was, I was up there. I basically just went down to the basement and dug out all my old ski stuff. So I was in, uh, 
you know, big ski jacket that's like, you know, one of those ski jackets that like unzips. You've got like a, like a vest and then a jacket on top of it. It was super heavy. Um, it was too big to fit in a backpack. So I just tie it around my waist. Um, and uh, that first winter, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what crampons were, you know, I used micro spikes in a few places, um, didn't even own an ice axe. Um, finally just started kind of going through trip reports and seeing what other people do. Um, you know, I, I didn't have any formal training or anything. I just sort of, just sort of figured things out and learned by reading a lot of, a lot of trip reports. Get a better jacket early. I just buy an ice axe. If you're going to do the 14 years, whether winter or summer, buy an ice axe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The last, uh, the last, I haven't used my micro spikes in, um, in like two years, the, the last two winters, I haven't even used them. It's like, if, if things are, if things are bad enough that I need traction, well, I'm using crampons. So I hardly ever use micro spikes anymore. What about sleep? What sleep pad do you use to that's a big issue in sleeping on snow, right? Yeah. So I, I, the one I've got, um, shoot, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it, it's heavy. It's, it's like a full pound. It's not one of the lighter weight ones, but, um, I, I was willing to sacrifice some weight, um, for a better sleeping experience, which I guess I didn't get anyway, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the one I've got, it's got a, it's like an R 7.9 or 9.7. Okay. Uh, it's really, it's really pretty warm. Um, and then the sleeping bag I've got is, uh, is like negative 25, um, rated, but it only weighs like four pounds. So it's really compact and, and light. Do you take tea or hot, hot cocoa or hot coffee? Oh, so that first trip up to pyramid, I took, uh, that first trip up to pyramid, I took one of those, uh, one of those mountain house meals that you just, you know, you pour boiling water in and you let it sit for a while. Um, I could not get water to boil to save my life. Uh, melting snow wasn't hard. You know, you, it's tedious. It took a long time. I mean, I spent probably 45 minutes, uh, melting snow to get, you know, three or four water bottles up. Um, I could not get water anywhere approaching warm. I, I mean, not even close. So, um, when I went to Chicago basin, I just decided I'm just going to take a bunch of junk food. <laughs> I took trail mix. I took granola bars. I took stuff that I knew I wouldn't need water for. Hmm. And, uh, I, I didn't eat that much that, that whole trip anyway. Um, you know, you just, you, you just sort of lose your appetite when you're out doing that stuff and it's cold. And, um, I, I should have weighed myself before and after, because I probably lost three or four pounds that yeah, trip. Yeah. Have you gotten out in, in winter much? I got, uh, I've done Sherman in calendar winter and I've done, uh, Yale in calendar winter. Okay. I've done some like cool Let's see cool water in Missouri, but it wasn't, it was April. Okay. So I only have two, I guess, two technical snowflakes. Yeah. Now there's, there's a few that are easier than Yale. I, I think the Calibron's probably easier than Yale. Quandary is definitely easier than Yale. Um, there's a few more you could probably get without much more difficulty. Yeah. Well, I've done it like the ones I've done, we've done at least two or three people. So we at least do like you break trail. 50 yards and then switch you go to second position and the third position is so much different than the (laughs) when you're like waist deep powder like 
treeline, you know, from rainbow up to treeline on Humboldt was, whew. Oh, uh, tell me, tell me about it. I broke, I broke trail up that twice in, uh, so I, I had February of 2019. I turned back um, after breaking trail all the way. And actually I think that, I think I broke trail the whole road. Um, and then I did it again at the end of March, but it wasn't winter anymore. It was like the, it was like March 29th or 30th and same thing. I broke trail again all the way up, but I, at least I got the summit that time. Um, but it gives you, it gives you something to look forward to. Um, you know, when I went up Holy cross, it took me right at 12 hours to get to the summit. Uh, but getting back because I was following my own trail and I had a trench, uh, I got back in just over seven hours. Oh, that's a good point. It's like swinging a weighted bat and then the way home it's. Yeah. It feels yeah. like an escalator compared to. It's, it's not like, it's not like being on skis, but you know, it's, it's also not like breaking trail. I don't know. It's like one of the thing, one of the things that I worry about as, as I finish different lists and different things, it's like, well, once I finish all the 14ers in winter, you know, assuming I can get, you know, North Maroon and Capital, well, what next? You know, I need, I need something to work towards. I need a list to work on. And uh, I don't think I can do the, the winter centennials. Some of those are just too, too much insanity for, for me to even think about, you know, the distance and the, the challenge. And, you know, there's, there's no real a lot of them just don't really have established routes, you know, at least the winter 14ers, you know, everybody, well, not everybody, but lots of people have done them enough that there's sort of, well, this is the way you do South Maroon. This is the way you do capital. This mm -hmm. is the way you do snow mass in winter. Those winter centennials. I mean, many of them, if they've been done by more than a few people, it's only a few people. You know, it's crazy. Thanks for good trip reports, though, because you're like really adding fresh material and new material. It is it is? It, it would be neat to th to think of something of doing something that you know nobody's done before or very few people have done before. Yeah, I was looking at the research. There's some research on like my question was: what, Does social media ruin your experience? Like, if you're too much taking pictures and you're trying to post on Instagram. Like, does it actually ruin your experience? And, and most some of the data says it, people's memory of things are worse if they're just taking photos for Instagram. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I really, I'm jealous of today's generation because they have pictures from the time they're born their whole lives that they'll be able to look back on. You know, when I was a teenager, you know, I, I, I was born in 77, grew up in the 80s and 90s. We didn't take a lot of pictures. There are like very few pictures of, you know, my childhood because cameras were expensive. You yeah. had to buy film, which was expensive. You had to take it to the one hour photo to get it developed, which costs more money. Uh, you know, people take pictures now and it's like, and granted, there's, you're right. There's some social media fatigue where, too many people, a lot of people take too many pictures, but I'd rather have too many pictures than very few. So it's like, you know, when I was, when I was 14 years old, there weren't any pictures of me. I, I don't know what I looked like. I don't, I have no, you know, 
visual memory of those years. So that and, and photography is, you know, it's part of what got me into this. So, okay. I've always, I've always been, uh, started getting into camera stuff about 10 years ago. And, uh, it's, it's a big part of why I do some of this stuff. Do you, do you blow them up or canvas any of them or print them? I've got a few, I've got a few around the house that I've, that I've blown up. Um, I've got a few that I've given to like mom and dad. Um, but, uh, to be honest, they're kind of terrified of the stuff, I, the stuff I do. So we don't, we don't talk about it much. <laughs> oh, they, they think it's more dangerous than it actually is. Um, but man, there is some danger to it. Yeah. What about, what would you be your advice for people getting into winter 14 ring? Um, work on, work on endurance because, you know, outside of the, outside of the 10 or so that are commonly done and, you know, often have trenches and, or are wind blown. Um, it just takes a, it just takes a crazy amount of endurance to be able to, to do, you know, 10, 12, 15 hour days. Um, and then to, um, you know, having at least a basic understanding of the dangers of it. Um, my second winter, I, when I went up Kit Carson, um, in winter of 2020, um, I was still relatively noob at this. I didn't know that North facing coulars were more dangerous than South facing coulars. Uh, I went up outward bound coulard to get up Kit Carson, um, in February of 2020. And people told me that I was playing Russian roulette and I just had no idea. <laughs> I, I didn't know that North facing coulars were, you know, required different, uh, required better conditions than South facing because of the way the, the sun oh, hits. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've certainly, I've certainly gotten lucky in, in a few places where, uh, maybe I didn't deserve it, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to tell, tell people to go take an avalanche class because I haven't taken <laughs> one, but, you know, have an understanding of, you know, what causes what what types of slopes are likely to have avalanches and you know if nothing else go off the 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 caic rating you know before you go out 